0: Wave pool technology is progressing at a rapid rate as commercial surf parks open up all around the world. I'm your host Brian Dickerson, editor at Wave Pool Mag, and together we'll explore this amazing new landscape by talking to the dreamers, developers, engineers, and everyone making this space happen. These are the personalities who are defining the breadth and scope of artificial wave making today. Welcome to the Wave Pool Mag podcast. My guest today is Skip Taylor of Surf Park Management. Skip has been on the podcast before, and he's always a great person to talk to, to get kind of down and into the stuff going on in the wave pool and surf park space. His company helps developers find the right uh, venue, how to make a profit, what technology to choose, and a lot of the subtleties that go into planning a wave pool. So he's just a well of information. So let's get to it. Skip Taylor, welcome to the Wave Pool Mag podcast. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Yeah. Uh, Aloha from Hawaii, Brian. It's great to be back and uh, talking story with you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You are uh, you were in Hawaii before. A little bit of background. I met you when you worked at Turtle Bay. And yeah. then from there, so you, you're Canadian, but you have Hawaii. Yeah. I have Hawaii. You, you spend a lot up, of time in Hawaii. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I grew up with uh, my parents. Fortunately, I had a place here. So I grew up and was surfing from about years old on here in hawaii and love it here i've spent not only a lot of free time but worked here as you said i was working with a company that was asset managing the turtle bay resort so spent almost a decade working on the north shore which was obviously a fantastic surf induction and it actually that was the roots of our creation of surf park management management because um Around 2011, 2012, I started looking into potentially building a surf park at Turtle Bay. They had 36 holes of underutilized golf, and we envisioned uh, repurposing some of the land to make a great activity and adventure zone. It was a little bit more than the ownership at that time wanted to bite off, but I um, was, became very deeply aware of the surf technology may, uh, providers and the entire industry and the advancements of where it was going or wasn't going. And uh, as the previous owners were getting ready to sell Turtle Bay in 2017, that finally sold in 2018, we decided to form a team to create Surf Park Management that uh, launched in 2017. That's five years ago now, and we've been uh, super busy ever since.
0: Yeah, I know you're busy every time uh, we connect. You're always working on something, but that seems to suit your personality. You're uh... (laughs) a... you're you're a blur basically yeah I've been traveling a lot <laughs> <laughs> well cool so you you got in early were there any times in 2017 where you questioned, like oh my gosh what am i doing you know i i should be looking for a stable industry i should be looking for an industry setup that can guarantee me long time work yeah it's it's funny i'm
1: i'm kind of a a washed up skier that's never had a real job. So I've always had to be creative <laughs> <laughs> in trying to find ways to uh, make a living. And, uh, you know, sports marketing, event marketing, and brand marketing became my my throughput in letting, you know, working all around resort communities. And that led into the Turtle Bay uh, and working with a company called Replay Resort. Their predecessor was a company called Interwest that owned many of the biggest ski resorts in North America and other ones around the world. And that team uh, sold their property in 2000, all the properties in 2009 and uh, or 2008, 2009. And at that time they formed a new company called replay resorts. They kind of decided to put the band back together. And I had uh, just had exited from working at IMG, a sports marketing group that had bought my company, multi billion dollar company that I just wasn't happy working in that corporate setting and the, the direction they were going. I, wanted some more freedom. So I came back into offering consulting services with the resort world and um, it it was fantastic. So the time we got to 2017, it was really a natural transition for me because there were some gaping holes in the industry in terms of knowledge and expertise into how to operate, manage, and envision a venue. I always described the early surf parks being built like 1970 Ski Hills, where Mm. there was a lift, a lodge, and a cafeteria. And my background of working and helping ski beach golf resorts around the world previously into envision a bigger throughput that has a bigger picture tied to commercial residential hospitality all those elements is where i saw surf parks could go and so what we want to do is harness a team with the deep knowledge and expertise from operations marketing food and beverage uh, ancillary business operations retail all those things that we could bring to a developer who is looking to envision next generation of surf parks. And that's very much where the industry has gone now, five years later, it, it, it uh, it's really exciting to see how far it has progressed. So I never really had a moment where I'm wondering, I mean, maybe on the flight over to when we launched surf park uh, management mm-hmm. was we flew to, uh, flew to Snowdonia. and went to mm-hmm. the surf park summit in 2017 in fall, and we unveiled surf park management there. And yeah. I think on the flight over, I was questioning, you know, my only <laughs> investment was a bunch of business cards that I printed up right, <laughs> at right. that time. So it was a plane ticket, and business cards was my investment. And if it, by the time I walked away from that summit, I was full of confidence.
0: Yeah, that's a, th- that's an amazing story. Cause uh, I think everyone goes through that when they start on a venture to, oh, am I doing the right thing? There's a lot of second guessing. So after that first surf park summit, five years ago. I, I chatted with you at Surf Park Summit this year in San Diego. And could you share with us what the change has been for Surf Park Summit and to a larger extent, the, the Surf Park space, wave pool space right now, just in the past five years?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I could share with you. I mean, I, I got to also just uh, note that, you know, the Surf Park's uh, management was born with Kate Thur my business partner, who's an incredibly talented uh, Harvard MBA. has worked at Wall Street, but has also been the general manager of ski resorts and worked on a central services team with Interwest and worked with me at Turtle Bay too. And her, um, you know, rounding out our partnership, it's just been phenomenal. And you know, she has been a key part in in, in uh, you know showing the confidence to to people to come online and the first phone calls we used to get were always usually from individuals with a dream, right? And, um, kind of the field of dreams concept, right? Build it, they will come and I'm going to figure out how to do this. And I've never built or developed anything in my life. I've never gone through entitlements. I've never constructed anything. And I, 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 just love surfing. And I think a surf park would work great in my neighborhood, which some people have been successful to get over those hurdles and, and, and get that happening. But it's, um, the, the fundamental changes, the phone calls we started getting then were from large-scale developers like Replay Resorts. And you know, here in Hawaii, we're working with a massive Japanese development company called Haseko, who's been doing 40 years of business in Hawaii. And I mean, that I, that really has been the fundamental change. The level of sophistication of the people that are looking at these facilities is where the industry has turned to now, that people who have the wherewithal to understand how to negotiate with the... Uh, cities on land entitlements and, and uh, rights, people who have been through the community work that needs to be done to get the approvals and, and the acceptance of something that is new and different, right? Not that every one of those battles has been won yet, some are being lost out there, but but also then the, the skill set and how to build and construct this. This is a really unique and difficult build, creating these large bodies of water with technology installations and and how you situate and build all the other amenities around it, whether it be a bunch of homes or a hotel or commercial venue, that it's really, really complex. And um, the people that have done it before are the ones that I th- is what we're seeing as the the fundamental change is coming into the place. Okay.
0: Okay. So you um, basically described the level of professionalism within at, that you see at Surf Park Summit really come up. I wanted to ask you, having such a background in skiing and seeing the first ski resorts come up in the early days of that. Yeah, I know you also also use that as a comparison quite a bit. Is the surf park industry, the waypool industry on track, you think, with the ski industry? You, you as know far what? As like I, growth?
1: I, skiing has roots globally that goes back 50 you know 80 100 years right for a ski Mm -hmm. hills being built now right there's early ski hills with rope toes and stuff coming in the early 1900s right so that matured into the 50s and 60s where a bit of a boom came along in the 70s i think in the 80s was the tipping point where the business changed from what we team at interwest used to call the uphill transportation business into more of a real estate (laughs) model right and uh that was a tipping point in, in in the late '80s I would say that began, and these amalgamation of resorts so I think a lot of people are looking at that model and feeling that's where it's going to go we're still very nascent right now in the in the industry, but the players with the vision and the knowledge of how that has happened in the space have surrounded us right now in the business and I believe we are on that track for sure and it will be, you know, like everything these days, I think it'll move at an accelerated timeline than it used to in the old days of the ski resort business.
0: The other comparison is with, with a, a ski resort, you just need to get up the hill. The rest is done by the, the natural terrain. With a wave pool, the machine is incredibly important. The design, the technology is incredibly important. It's creating the wave. It's creating how surfers interact with each other, how much fun they have, how sated they are, how surfed out they are after, after the session. And you've told me surf park management is uh, technology agnostic. Could you explain that a little bit, like why you want to be technology agnostic and why you didn't, uh, say, partner with one wave technology company early on?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was an interesting. It was a fundamental decision we made within the first few months of getting into business because as we started consulting for different developers and owners we want to represent their best interests of the project. And we found that we did get offered commissions from a number of the wave technology people. And we've declined that um, from everyone. So we could remain unbiased in our approach to delivering the best possible product to each facility that we work with.
0: That must have been hard because I'm sure the commissions were pretty, pretty happy. They, they were,
1: they were. <laughs> and it was really a, a fundamental decision. I mean, we we pride ourselves in having great relationships with just about all of the technology manufacturers out there, and we mm-hmm. talk to them all the time. But to remain uh, that level, each development has its pros and cons of what's going to work best. Whether it be you know evaluating various standing waves, very, you know evaluating lagoon waves, everything from shape, size, power requirements. I mean, some places with low power, they don't care that the power costs are are you know cheaper for one technology. They care more about what's the shape of the pool that I can build mm. something that's going to create an experience, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's so many uh, varieties out there that we, you know, it's, it's like the Goldilocks formula for each uh, developer that we try to present to them all the options and help them select, you know, we definitely have opinions and we'll, we'll share opinions and, and, and give guidance if we feel the developers going down the wrong pathway. And, uh, um, but that whole, um, Technology agnostic model is really something we think our, our clients uh, uh, respect.
0: So within that, what have you seen in the technology sector that has really excited you? Uh, basically, it, it it seems like it's kind of leveled off. Like a few years ago, there was SurfLock at Palm Springs Surf Club. Endless Surf announced they were entering the market. We'd seen a couple Wave Garden Coves already so what excites you as far as uh technology where where do you think it's going
1: well i think what's happened is the you know the v1s the cove or the uh, perfect swell and even you know tom lochtefeld who's getting a few more pools in the ground too now what's happening is they're advancing their technologies i mean what WaveGuard put out their wave modules in the last couple of months here and advancing that it, it has been
0: unbelievable right yeah yeah um, the new air section is pretty incredible
1: yeah and, and you know watching the barrels from brazil the 20 second long barrels that you haven't seen anywhere except for the ks waveco wave that's you know another yeah. amazing ad- advancements that we're seeing so you know endless surf coming into play now is going to be you know the, they're getting close with their build out in munich and it'll be mm-hmm. you know, a lot of anticipation eyes on that because i think you know endless surf is one of the the big guys out there right now. And, you know, you're seeing Yapoon and and, uh, and their facility uh, with Surflex Australia going to more of a commercial product now and starting to look at building out not just a test facility, but something that's going to be more commercialized. And all these guys are advancing technologies, but I got to say there, there is a couple other people out there that are dancing in bringing their other technologies into line right now. And, you know, there's the, The group in the netherlands there's a group in central america that um, are out there so it's yeah there's uh, it's exciting to see people still pushing to bring new technologies into the space
0: yeah yeah there is quite a bit going on in the periphery and can't wait to see some of those technologies come to light from yeah uh, yeah ecuador and brazil
1: and going going back to the technology brian i mean let's go back to the ski model i mean You got all your choices from you know the doppelmeyers the palmas and then you got all the choices each those manufacturers have everything from surface lifts to chair lifts detachable chairs you know gondolas they got trams right so the technology although the technology doesn't drive how well you ski down the hill and how steep or good the snow is going down the hill and the slope it does still drive the experience a lot the technology selection at a ski hill and i don't know any ski hill that also isn't technology agnostic generally in that business. And I, I really, you know, that's with the background we had, I I, I looked at that the, um, you know, the technology, of course, is super important, but, you know, the, you, you still always have to be continuously open to what is the best at that time. And certain decisions might get made to put a technology in today, but six months from year, parameters are changing and you'd be more. Open to looking at that next technology or changes that have happened with those technologies.
0: Okay, have you have you been out to? I think on the, I mentioned South American technology. Have you seen any of the new American American technology through uh, Surf Swell MFG and the one for Crest Surf Clubs? They have their own. Yeah, you know
1: Crest. I've only seen the uh, the diagrams for um, our project here at Waikai Wave. We work closely with Shane Beshin on this product, so Mm -hmm. we're very close. And you know, I'm super stoked for them at the 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 Cannon Beach project there that they have going and seeing that technology come online. I know the team there at Swell Mfg, and I think they're they got something really solid and really good too. And it's you know this summer, I guess uh, late summer, they're planning on opening. I think. The Mm -hmm. public, but um, after they've done their initial test, very promising. It's super exciting to to see that.
0: Okay, let's go to. I'm glad you're here. I can pick your brain about this. We just uh, posted an op ed piece about Kelly Slater wave technology, which has. (laughs) We had a lot of fun with that one, didn't we, Brian? (laughs) (laughs) Which um, is beautiful and pretty, you know, started the whole people seeing wave pools as a viable. Outside of the surf world, like saying, oh, wow, people can do that. People can create that. Absolutely. It's, it's this incredible wave, yet there are shortcomings when it comes to getting paying customers through, which is, you know, why it's expensive. They can charge a premium. In your experience, where do you see a Kelly Slater wave pool working best? The only
1: setting it could work in to make any sense is in that private high-end arena mm-hmm. right where he is right now but the component of doing what uh michael schwab and the team meriwether was trying to do at Cora mountain that unfortunately was uh not accepted by the community and got voted down that is really in my opinion the only uh setting it could, could work with and i mean i'll go back to i mean the quote that got all the attention and got us posted on beach grit which is always fun was um <laughs> i said the unfortunately the day that Kelly Slater launched his uh, technology, it was obsolete. Right. And uh-huh. I, I still stand by that. I don't hesitate in saying that because I would love to surf that wave. I would love to get you on. Know, I fortunately don't have the uh, the pocketbook and haven't had the invite to go surf it yet. I've seen the contest at the ranch. And so it's supposed to get thorough on our team. We've seen how it operates, but just the frequency of the wave alone is, is the challenge. First challenge. The second yeah. challenge is the size of the lagoon and the build and what you do around it. It's a very awkward, long, narrow shape to build around. And I think the third mm. one is the um the train track. You know, having a track mm. roaring down the stream. If you owning a call it a five million dollar villa next to a surf pool that six a M in the morning you start hearing a train running down a track. It's a little different than hearing the noise of the waves breaking softly like you do with some of the other technologies without the, the noise of, of that. So I mean, th- th- those are my key challenges with that. And I, I know, jokingly, people say I'm, I'm not going to be on Kelly's Christmas card list anymore. But uh, that, that's uh, that. You know, that that's my opinion. And although amazing, because I say he was the tipping point. That video in 2015. Every developer I talk yeah. to and present to, the first thing they say to me, "Oh, you mean like the Kelly Slater wave?" Yeah, right. Yeah, and totally I totally. It's like changed. he. Again. changed the mainstream awareness of surf parks and he has done us such a favor that everyone who works in this industry should be peeling off a commission check to kelly slater right now for doing
0: that <laughs> <laughs> kind of like uh simon anderson and the thruster everyone exactly him the buck for, for exactly swimming. so he took the moonshot
1: and put it on the map for us all to um to benefit from and you know yeah. i i I was always hoping that Kelly would be advancing technology or Kelly's team at the KS Wave Co. would be advancing technology and mm-hmm. making adaptations, and changes, yeah. and maybe they are. They're a pretty secretive group out there, but you know, there's a reason why seven years, almost eight years now, or seven years right now, December, was when they dropped that video when Gabe won pipe, right? And there's still not another Kelly Slater Wave Co. pool in the ground anywhere in the world Yet every other technology has built multiple pools in those seven years.
0: And, you know, mm-hmm. it's,
1: it's, there's a
0: reason behind that. It's a good point, too, in that the uh, his pool, like you like said, garnered so much attention, kind of lifted the whole industry up for wave pools. But they don't really need a whole bunch. That was such a great invention there in Lemore and the way they run it. Yeah. And, and the- it's, I'm sure it's paid for itself you know, a couple I'm, times overall, I, I'm, really. you know, and, and kudos to
1: them, you know, from uh, the team that they brought in there. I know, uh, you know, one of our, our good partners we work with in the industry, like Hess was working there leading that on site operation to turn it into mm-hmm. something really unique and special. I mean, he just built a test facility and then they envisioned what they could become and yeah. amazing what they've done. I my friends that go there, uh, surf there regularly they have the best experience they have a great time right but it's um is it's challenging model to um recommend to another developer based on the parameters that they're working with when you compare it to other surf technologies
0: so this uh leads me to my next question which a lot of people in the early days of i'm sure surf park summit and surf park management and even wave mag we The people trying to get pools built, it was kind of a a little more, I I guess, naive, like we would get emails of, oh, oh, dude, I got, you know, two and a half acres. What kind of technology should I put in? You know, my my brother said I can use, you know, (laughs) his tractor or something like that. And so we, we still might get those emails today, but the level of sophistication has has definitely come up. And. You know, change like we talked about, but there's still some of the same hurdles for a surf park to come from, you know, pipe dream to actual operating business. Could you highlight for our listeners the main hurdles that WavePool has from concept to opening? I'm sure yeah. there are, there's got to okay. be like a top three sticking point or
1: something. Yeah, I, I'm gonna. I'll do my my top number one sticking point is. Lack of data and information of the industry and the history of the track records. If somebody wants to build a hotel in whatever market it is, there is comps. There's comparables that people can go and get available data, whether you pay for it it's available free, you. Usually you have to be part of some sort of group or pay for the services, but you can get average daily rates, what the type of mix is in the market, whether it be, you know, two, one, two, three, or four star, five star hotels, you know what you're going against, you know, what the place you're sliding in is. And you can build a very sophisticated business analysis of what you could generate for the investment there in developers out there looking for amenities, a surf park is usually now considered an amenity, right? It's the feature amenity, but it, and it's the hype of what they're doing, but they're often looking at it to compare. They could be considering a golf course. They could be considering a crystal lagoon, right? They could be, you know, looking at all these different options for them to build and the surf park is one of them. And what we get tasked at time and time again is to try to showcase the business viability of adding that amenity and what it could do. And without stats of visitations, utilization rates, all the data that is so secretive in the surf industry right now, it's going to be very difficult to advance this industry. So I think, you know, there's a, a, a big need right now for a unified industry representation group that is like the Mm -hmm. call it like the uh, national ski areas association they have in the united states right and something that gives those metrics and gives people awareness to what's happening not only there the the you know jess ponting our close friend uh, is is doing a great job and stats and information coming in from how people are feeling but we still lack actual numbers that can showcase this is a, a dedicated business so i think i think that's probably the Number one, number two, I'm gonna to jump to is um, people jumping into markets because they, they they know it could be a great market and on paper, they have a great land plot, they have a great business plan and they have the, they may even be partially weighed down entitlements but they haven't won the community over. You know, I've personally been part of a project on the big island of Hawaii. There's Mary Weller that has just gone through it, the San Juan Capistrano project there. People have invested millions and millions of dollars to get to the points where they got to before they, the project got dead-ended, right? Mm-hmm. And those don't help the industry either, right? And, you know, the learnings are that, that working with communities that want and need the facility and not forcing something where it isn't quite the right fit with the existing community around it. We're working in some communities like... Uh, planning with the Cactus Surf Park project in Phoenix. The, the city of Gilbert is so supportive and so enthusiastic. You're not fighting a, a city council and a mayor that is trying to find ways to not make your hmm. project work. Right. And so I, I think that's probably the, the number two one for me right now. And between the, uh, the, the size of those. And then the, you know, I think the last one is the challenge is the concern of, of, um, technology Failure, right? I get that from a lot of developers. Mm-hmm. These things have to have 20 to 30 year lifespans. Just like when you put a chairlift in or a gondola in at a ski resort, you're not looking to replace it in five years. You don't get your money back if that's the model. So that's probably the number three question we get because there's some confidence gained with companies like Wave Garden who have produced millions and millions of waves with limited interruption and limited issue, issues that show the confidence. And, you know, that's why... Some developers are selecting them. They, they want that confidence in the space and they don't want that risk of, of uh, failure a few years out.
0: Okay. That's um, really valuable insight and uh, super helpful for, for anyone coming up who wants to do their own development. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's nice to see people say, oh, you know, I can still make this happen. It's still my dream to have a, uh, to have a surf park to have a wave pool and have my friends you know through and be able to you know have a good time and, and share that and i've noticed that because we we did travel it to quite a few wave parks this year and there's just that kind of camaraderie they're they're all fun you know you're you're yeah. in there you're in the cafe it's it's a good time it is people are taking, taking their turn in the lineup you know, the more I travel, the more I surf
1: at the surf parks, Brian, it's like you, the, the, the more it becomes normalized to me. And, hmm. and, and the vibe of this, it, it's like almost going on your own boat trip where nobody else is around <laughs> or something, you know, you're, you've all surfed, you all having uh, a together and having drinks and celebrating mm-hmm. your surf session after and laughing. And it's really cool. And, and, and the equalization the that, you know, Jess Pontian was using the word at the summit this year of the democratization of surfing, right? Mm-hmm. And that is time and time again, proven because, you know, we go out there with people at a variety of levels and the best surfer doesn't get all the best waves. Everyone gets the best waves for their, their ability, right? And it's yeah. really cool to see that when I can take people out there and get them enjoying waves in the right session for the right level for them, it's, it's just fantastic. And, um, but, you know, what still happens is I've seen a lot of sessions where people have picked the raw level for their ability <laughs> and it has uh, been a great experience for them. Yeah, right? yeah so. that's
0: another. Um, yeah, that's a that's another subject altogether. But I, I like the way you put it where, you know, it used to be the best surfers getting the best waves like in, in the ocean. It you know, should be that. But this way, everyone's getting the, the yeah. best waves, which is nice. It's this kind of feeling when you come in. Well, well, Skip, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for for peel- peeling away some time to to talk to us and and share your knowledge and experience.
1: Yeah, it's stoked We're, We are the now the some of the OG in the surf park industry, and it's uh, it's great to uh, catch up with you guys again and share information with the uh, the uh, insiders of the surf park world here. And <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I'm going to so- put one last shameless plug in. Mm-hmm. opening up in early 2023 is uh the lineup at waikai and go that's check okay. it out at, at the com.
0: that's right you guys are you, you went through a lot to bring that online and i i'm sorry i forgot to ask you about that so yeah to tell us you guys are planning spring and is it pretty much built now where are we
1: you, yeah for sure the so the facilities the built, the fit and finish work is going on. Um, we're actually just about to go over with the, the the construction company, get turnover of some of the space for our office and working space right now. And we have um, uh, ATV and the CityWave people laying all the um, materials down on the, the, the surfaces of the, the pool. And it's going to be a massive 100-foot wide standing wave, the biggest standing wave in the world. It doesn't get bigger vertically and it's still a head-high wave, but a wider face to work on and we have a really unique thing where we can divide it from one lane two lanes or three lanes with uh dividers we've worked with the mertha pool company to put something very unique into the marketplace but the setting is magnificent we're oceanside we have a 52 acre lagoon for paddle sports we have amazing restaurants Uh, we have a great retail we have a, a private beach experience and Really, between the surfing and the lagoon and the paddle sports, we can present a full waterman experience in a in a controlled environment and and uh, with all the amenities you would ever want. So it's something really special and really unique, and and um, it's going to be fun bringing this uh, to the world as we launch this
0: spring. Well, well, congratulations! I know you've worked really hard on that project and over the past couple of years. When I've talked to you, mentioned it and how the development is going and. Uh... Yeah, it looks like it's it's going to happen. So good going. Good going. Yeah, Skid. thanks so much, Brian. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you again. I, I think we have you on the show maybe once a year. So Yeah, wait. great. <laughs> I'm we'll sure see we'll see, see you in the water now. before then, too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'll see you hopefully in Hawaii. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> okay, right on, Skip.